Yassi Balmel, who's been a guest of ours many, many times. Many of you know that, of course, he's a resident of Efrat, Israel. He's with us live via telephone. Shalom, shalom. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. I uh, wish I could say it's my pleasure, but I'm prepared to do anything for you. That much I appreciate. Before we get back to, I mean, I, I want to discuss what the um, what the shock of Shabbat morning, Shemini Atzeret morning w- was like. I think it's important for people around the world, especially here, to get a perspective of the shock and turmoil that our brothers and sisters were uh, tossed into immediately. In addition, of course, to all the murder and kidnapping, which we can discuss. But let's just talk for a moment about this immediate um, news report we just heard. It, 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 we're getting the feeling here that uh, that things are, are 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 out of control, so to speak. That um, that uh, there's an attempt by the Israeli army to secure as many of the communities as possible and evacuate those that are necessary to evacuate, especially in the south. But that this is taking quite a quite a while to do. Is this all because of the shock and the surprise of the attack, or, or are there other things happening that we should know about? Uh, I think certainly in the beginning it was out of control, but uh, I think that's not the reason. I think right now we're dealing with people uh, in various places who may be hostages and with the situation is not clear and you, know, you don't want to get any, any extra people killed and these kind of things have to be done carefully and therefore uh, they're going from, they're just combing the entire area, going from community to community to make sure they don't know. Some of the some of the uh, terrorists made believe they were dead uh, victims and then they woke up and started shooting. So this is a very, very, very delicate operation and it, it, it obviously takes time. Yassi Balmo's with us. You know, We've heard, and again, you could imagine here, Shabbos and Sunday, we're just getting, you know, dribs and drabs of information from different people in the neighborhood, etc. And and then, of course, once things ended, Yuntiv ended for us last night, we're all thrown into this um, into this ocean of news. Um, we, we've heard a lot, and what seems to be a lot of updates, obviously regarding the festival, which, you know, hundreds of people were murdered, which is a tragedy in and of itself. And then we've heard about what's happening in places like Ashdod and Ashkelon and, of course, the kibbutzim that were infiltrated. I'm not getting, a, and I don't know if you have this, I'm not getting a clear picture about what happened in Steyrot and what the death toll was in Steyrot and if people are still in Steyrot. Do you, I'm only asking you this because obviously I, I know that you have tremendous uh, uh, friendships and uh, relationships in Stay Road. Have you heard anything that you could update us in terms of what's happening there in that city? The la- the last I heard uh, that that uh, they had one 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 suspected terrorist under control in the police station, but apparently there are others roaming around still. From what I saw, like a couple hours ago. And do you know I had some personal uh, and work things to de- deal with in the last two hours? So I I, I, w- I am not up to date to the second. And you know, in the old days, I told you this many times on the air that in the old days I used to come from Israel and I would tell all the news. But I just got updated from you from Galitzal because I didn't hear the news in the last two hours. And were there murders in Steyrot? I mean, what happened there on the Chag? Do you know? Uh, I do not know. I, I I just I can't get a. Uh because we saw some videos, you know, from that were obviously uh, in Steyrot, and I just, uh, anyway, anybody out there in this audience certainly may have information because of the close relationship that the people in this audience have with Steyrot and the religious community there. So anybody who has anything, obviously, just forward us the information. All right, so I've heard from my son, 
who's in Yeshiva Rakotel, and I've heard from my brother who spent um, Shabbat Shemini Atzeres in Ramat Beit Shemesh as a guest of his daughter, and they described what it was like uh, to, to witness um, uh, boy after boy, man after man, soldier after soldier uh, being called up. What was your experience like on the Chag this past Shabbat? Uh, well, I woke up in the morning and I heard thunder and I looked out the window and I didn't see any clouds. And I was immediately reminded of uh, our summer vacations up in the Galil 30 years ago when they were Katusha's and you could hear those sounds in the distance. And that's what I was hearing. I figured something was going on. A minute later, uh, someone knocks on my door. Do I have the key to the Miklat? Which I don't because we expanded our house and we have our own protected room. Uh, so we were looking for the key for the for the uh, shelter, which is right next to the main shul here in our neighborhood. Uh, so that's how I found out that something was going on. I didn't know what was going on. And so, uh, again, during the course of the day, uh, we only got little snippets of information. I mean, the, the people from the security came through to make sure that we had a bomb shelter. We had one of the few minyanim because we have a small shul. Um, you know our Rabbi Avi Berkowitz from the Lower East Side. Uh, he's the rabbi of our shul, and it's a very small shul, and we have a, a, a uh, shelter in the shul, so we hope to daven the entire davening. Most of the shuls canceled davening, so uh, it in the morning. Uh, and what about and, this, uh, uh, what about the the atmosphere as people started to get called up, and it became obvious that there was activity going on that normally I would have to assume would not be going on Shabbat morning in Ephrat? Honestly, I live in a neighborhood where I'm from the younger couples, so you know people from our immediate neighborhood won't call up right away. By the time Shabbat was out, I found out that my son was called up, and, and uh, my son uh, Mordechai, the musician, uh, was called up. He was supposed to be the uh, entertainment at Shlomo Katz's Hakafot uh, Shniot, and uh, he was called up. Uh, and uh, I have a few. Son, I have a son and a son-in-law who are doing, uh, you know, guard duty in Yishuvim. And I have a son-in-law who's on his way now. He just landed now. He was in Cleveland, and he left his wife and three kids in Cleveland and came back to his unit. And my daughter's coming slowly back uh, through uh, Newark a little later today. Um, but uh, everybody, everybody has people called up, and unfortunately, oh, I have uh, friends close friends who've lost either grandsons or, uh, or sons. Um, it, it's, it's strange, but, uh, you know, there's a Barakai Yeshiva in Brooklyn, two people who we sent to, uh, to, uh, work there, uh, Achia, um, Eliyahu and Yoshua Shani both lost sons, uh, over the last 24 hours, uh, in the fighting. Uh, they were both, uh, basically ran this Barakai school and when it started off uh, years ago in, uh, in Brooklyn. Anyway, uh, and there's others, uh, friends from Brooklyn who came in Alia soon after us lost a grandson, and uh, it's it's not good. I have uh, quite a few soldier grandchildren in the army right now, uh, and uh, that's the story. It's not. I know. I know you wanted me to be on the phone so I can give you some of my optimistic. Uh, views of what's going on and it's not that's not easy to do oh right no now. i'm not looking for optimism at all i think that people need to hear from those who are there and what you just described to us in terms of uh, those who you know personally and those who are in your own family or either serving or or unfortunately as you described who actually lost sons or grandsons already i am optimistic about the spirit of the jewish people i'm sure heads will roll when this is all over i don't know how far the heads will roll but uh, Heads will roll because this is is unparalleled 
uh, mess up that we, we cannot understand. The great Israeli Mossad didn't know a day before that it was going to happen. We knew what was going on in Egypt, but they just didn't act on it in the Yom Kippur War. And here we didn't know what was going on a day before. And we didn't know that this was the scenario that they were practicing. We knew this for months already that they were practicing this scenario. Maybe not quite as large and widespread, but we knew they were planning to do this kind of stuff. And you know, the, and the trucks docked down the the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 guardrail at the uh, Erez uh, checkpoint, and they started coming through in regular cars. You know, just coming through one after another. How could this possibly happen? We don't understand how this possibly could have happened. And uh, but I think we are rebounding tremendously well. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on in the government. I think. Uh, Bibi's very good at talking, and I think he understands now that talking is not the thing to do. He's barely spoken up since this started, uh, but I think they're working very, very hard. And you, we heard now on the on the rate on the Galitzal report uh, what the Minister of Defense said, which is you wouldn't catch me saying something that sounded so overtly um, ferocious as what he said now. So um, you understood what he said. He said we're dealing with animals, and we will deal with them uh, as as animals should be dealt with. That's what he said, more or less. I don't know. He said it even worse, but uh, in no, any case, I, I don't hear. know what's, I don't know, I have no, I'm not uh, privy to what's going on. I ran into Carolyn Glick by the mailbox the other day, uh, yesterday, and I told her that for years now, I've been thinking to myself that if I was prime minister, I'd appoint her to be this minister of defense because you can't take somebody who's one of the old boy network to be in charge over there. It just doesn't work. They don't think out of the box. You need somebody from the outside to run the show there. And I'm sad to say that uh, we've been very, very, very disappointed. But even they in their positions need to be briefed by members of the intelligence. And, you know, I mean, they, they, they can't be completely held responsible. They're depending on people who, who supposedly have expertise in this to, to feed them information and to, to be able to make decisions based on that. Hey, look, there's one thing to know that they didn't know when it would happen. That I, I, you know, I can understand that somehow that happened. But not to be prepared for it, that's just in, in, unforgivable. Unforgivable. Yeah, and unfathomable. And uh, in, in this case, not to minimize, of course, the hundreds that, of brothers and sisters that we've lost, um, obviously, but now you have this added great concern about those who've been kidnapped and how they are being dealt with. You mentioned animals before, how they're being dealt with. We know how animals treat people in that situation. And... Uh, and it, and it, le- it one would assume it's going to leave the prime minister and others who make decisions with uh, the inability to do certain things, knowing that uh, now I see that the figure is 150. I don't know. None of us know what the accurate figure is of Israelis who are being held hostage at this time. That that whole yeah, element. We don't we don't know how many, but the people, the, our leaders, who in the past said, you know, if we go into the Gaza Strip. We have to be willing to take the risk of, of, of losing 100 to 150 soldiers. The people who are afraid to do that are losing 10 times that much now. And uh, there's equal amount of soldiers and, and 10 times as many civilians who are not supposed to be on the front line. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I don't I, this is beyond understanding. Uh, all I know is that this will be a different country when it's all over. We're strong enough to overcome this. We will overcome it. We have no choice but to overcome it. And when the dust settles, uh, it'll be a much healthier nation uh, afterwards. I'm sure of it. There's only one we can rely on. Yes, that's exactly what it says in all the Midrash. I'm not going to go there about Mashiach and all that stuff now, but 
אין לנו על מי שאין על אבינו שבשמיים. He's the only one. And we're doing a lot of davening, that can I tell you. I was, uh, I was somewhat frightened, especially in light of some of the things that have happened over the last month. I mentioned uh, this earlier on the air. I was somewhat frightened by a... by uh, an article I read this morning, um, which describes just how much support the quote-unquote Palestinians are getting uh, in certain countries, including countries that have had very warm relations with Israel for the last couple of years. And uh, that's why I just, um, not only is, is he, the you know, capital H, the only one we could depend on, but in addition to that, I think we have to come to the reality that No matter what, Israel and the Jewish people are always going to be alone. We, there, there is nobody and certainly no other country, no matter how good our relationship is with them, that we're going to be able to depend on, uh, especially when it comes to the security of the people of Israel. Look, uh, I'm not talking about depending, but certainly, and I, you know that I'm not exactly a Democrat uh, but uh, these days, but uh, Joe Biden really has been acting, or his advisors, whoever, but he's been acting quite good, but better than we expected uh, under such conditions. Uh, and uh, you're right, you know, when, when you have an infection, all the pus comes out. And uh, people will understand now that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. It's exactly that. And, uh, and uh, we have to go through a period of time when these things come out and it's going to hurt. And, but afterwards, things will, will get better. I'm sure of it. What about the, at- I can say. What about the atmosphere? Um, you know, in every community, I think around the world, people are walking around depressed, you know, no matter how much optimism there might be and no matter how many videos of, of people lined up to give blood and to, and to make sure that uh, Israeli soldiers have the provisions and necessities and food that they need. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it, it can be very depressing. I mean, in, in your neighborhood, in your community, I mean, I, even with all the optimism that you describe will eventually settle in, I would assume it's, a, it's got to be a very difficult time right now. It is a difficult time, but people are reacting by giving, by preparing sandwiches, by giving food, by bringing, I emptied out my house of toothpastes and toothbrushes and uh, other such things and brought them over to, to give out to soldiers here. Uh, you know, this is, everybody is doing what they can. A lot of these people were, were drafted with just the shirt on their back. Right. They have absolutely nothing with them, and uh, we're trying to make sure that they get fed and they get, uh, and they get the minimal supplies that they need uh, until uh, the armies can kick in and uh, do what they have to do but it's it's going very well people are just lining up to help and uh, uh, that's what happens when you know we're one family and we all get together and as opposed to the feelings of divisiveness that we had uh, up until recently at least that's a, a good result of what's going on is that people are really uh, really really uh, sticking together right now and can I assume that nobody rejected the call to serve in the reserves of the Israel Defense Forces when asked. I haven't heard of a single case, not a single case. And I point that out, not of course, because during the period of time that you were referring to, there were those who made a point of saying that they would sit out if... Uh, it was virtual, it was all virtual, it was all PR, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't real. It never was real. Very, very few people really uh, who... Um, said those kind of things, you know, who were in any kind of position to help if they wanted. Well, I mean, you know, 60 Minutes decided to highlight and profile them, so, you know, they got a lot of good publicity out of it. But Oh, 
Now I know where the truth comes from. Yeah. I thought it was from Mount Sinai. Now oh. I know it's a 60 Minutes. Yeah. I was on 60 Minutes. I know better. <laughs> I was once on 60 Minutes years ago. Was that also Leslie Stahl? Because it seems she always gets the Israel stories. Was it also her? Uh, I don't know. This is uh, my Tarot Kwanim days. You know, they right. were waiting outside of Joe Frager's house when he picked up the, the, the uh, newspaper in the morning. Right. And uh, whatever. Not important. I know it's not important, but it is important because sometimes the uh, perception is that God, God knows how many of our brothers and sisters have had it with us. And in the reality is uh, something like this happens and you realize we're all family. You realize that the first thing they're going yeah, to yeah, do is drop, is drop everything. And I wish that was the point that would get it, you know, across to the media, whether it was before or during the war, uh, that you know that the Jewish people are ready to drop everything and do whatever is necessary uh, to be there for each other, uh, e- even when they themselves say they won't do that. They they they, they surprise themselves sometimes. We surprise ourselves sometimes with the unity that we feel and the obligation that we feel toward each other. Yeah, you know, like uh, we signed up to host uh, families from the South, but there's so many people who, who are volunteering that they haven't contacted us yet. yet. Wow. And I'll never forget that feeling in 2005, when I, I don't remember which kibbutz it was in, when I visited the area and they were all supporting the, uh, the uh, expulsion from Gaza. There was even a bar set up in one of the kibbutzim there for the reporters. It was called the... Uh, Barshall hit not good or something like that, where they were uh, making money off of this stuff, and you know, and well, you forget all of that when you when people you see what you see and you know what you know. These people were living there on the front line, uh, in a very 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 uh, problematic place. Even before there was tension with Gaza, it was not an easy place to live, and they're real real the old style pioneers of Israel. Uh, and we are all opening their hearts, our hearts to them, no matter what the past uh, held in, in the past. Did the yeshivas in your area reopen today, uh, days earlier than scheduled? No, no. I actually had to go over to the yeshiva now. It was like a really sad thing to see because, you know, we had our big Chanukah um, uh, inaugural dedication ceremony, we had thousands of people. The chairs are still there. You know, this place looks like a ghost town. It's, you know, just, you know, it's no workers, no work going on. And it was really very sad. Because the uh, be, be, because see. many of the Torah leaders in Israel, to their credit, and I, I'm the first to criticize when they... When they, it, I, I'm the first usually to criticize in situations like this, but to their credit, they called on everybody to get back to yeshiva today, and many yeshivas around Israel did reopen. And as I always say, if we're going to fight these wars on every front, including the spiritual and Torah front, then everyone's got to do their part. So I was happy to see that. There were, there were even Haredi rabbis who told the boys, if you're really a hard learner, come back to Yeshiva now. And if not, go out and volunteer and help. I can give you an example. My daughter who lives in the Gahot, there are three men who are left behind in the Yeshiv. They're all out. They're all been, been uh, what you call it. Don't yeah. worry, there's, the army is there and there's, there's other people there. But, but uh, as far as the people who live there, the regular residents, there are only three men of, who's, who with their families in the whole entire community. They're all in the army on the front line. And uh, maybe these yeshivas, instead of learning in, in Yushalayim, should go to these far out places and have ten guys, you know, that's what Batlanim was supposed to be, right. to sit in each town and learn Torah there instead of uh, somewhere else. Right. Anyway, everybody is coming together. I know that uh, the uh, Haredi members of the government uh, on Shabbos took part in the meetings and, and everything, and uh, 
people are really coming together, and that's uh, the one good thing that's coming out of this terrible, terrible tragedy. You've seen a lot over the years since moving to Israel. A lot of terror attacks, a lot of wars, a lot of episodes that did require uh, the the uh, residents of Israel to get together and to act as one. But th- there's something different about this one, Yossi. Yeah, you know, look, you know, uh, I was thinking over the last few months, a lot. there's been a lot of terror in Yudan and Shamron. And all of a sudden, we're the safe place compared to other places. And unfortunately... Uh, the it's, I once said Eric Yisrael is like an old man and you have to ache sometimes in your hip, sometimes in your shoulder. You know, it's, it moves from place to place. And now the terrible, terrible tragedy of the uh, of that uh, nature part, race part, whatever it's called out yeah. there. Uh, it, it just it's it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to see what happened over there, and uh, buildings in Tel Aviv being knocked down, and uh, it's it's you know it's it's spread all around, and we all know that this we're all in this together, that we all have to be here for each other. Stay safe, my friend, and best regards to everybody in Aretz. Okay, and I just want to thank uh, a good friend of mine from New Jersey who's going to the airport to help my daughter out with her three kids and suitcases uh, while they're uh, while 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 they're waiting in the airport to check into El Al this afternoon. Uh, he knows who he is. I'm not going to mention his name and his wife, and just thank you to them. And uh, thanks to everybody for helping out as much as you possibly can. We should share good news and happy news in Mir Tashem soon. Amen. Thank you, Yassi. Yassi Balmo from Israel, of course. JM and the AM on a Monday morning.